Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. Today we have the first in what I hope is going to be a semi-regular series, uh, meeting the vicar of one of our Church Society parishes. We have around 130 parishes up and down the country that we have responsibility for and those churches in particular we like to pray for if you get our Uh, regular prayer diary you'll be used to praying for them and I thought it'd be great to get to know them uh, a little bit better they're very different kinds of churches in different contexts different challenges uh, different kinds of congregations Uh, so it'll be interesting I hope uh, to get to know some of them better as I say and we're going to start with one of our newest church society parishes St Luke's in Wolverhampton so I'm here this week with Richard Espin Bradley. Richard, you are the vicar at St Luke's in Wolverhampton. How long have you been there now? I was trying to work it uh, out. About 15 and a half years. Yeah, it's quite a while, isn't yeah, it? So, Can yeah. you tell us um, a little bit about what the church is like, the congregation that you have there? Yeah, so it's uh, uh, it's not, not a large uh, church. We're sort of, uh, as our main morning service, we're about 65 on average. Uh, it's very mixed, uh, which reflects to a certain extent the parish as well. Uh, very mixed uh, sort of ethnically. Uh, So the parish itself is probably uh, in excess of 50% South Asian. Okay. Most of whom are uh, Sikh uh, and Hindu uh, in terms of their religious background. Um, The congregation is is pretty mixed as well now. So um, good number, sort of equal numbers of white and and, uh, uh, Caribbean Yes, members. that's what I remember from St Luke's is the yeah. sort of Afro-Caribbean. I think I once came to a Caribbean evening and they yeah, right, cooked yeah. jerk chicken and yeah. all that sort of well, stuff. Well, certainly when I arrived, mm. it was the congregation was pretty much 50-50 white West Indian. What's changed over the last uh, sort of 15 years is that we've got quite a few more Asian members and a lot of African, quite a lot of African uh, members. We've had some Iranians through the door as well uh, wow. in through the front door out through the back unfortunately but uh, so multicultural yeah, might be a so. word that, that we could we could use and yeah. as you say that's the parish as well as the church yeah. Yeah. is like that and you say there's been that that's changed somewhat over those 15 years yeah. do you could you just um tell us why that that might be in terms of the what's going on in the parish and, and who's living there and why yeah i mean the i, I suppose one of the big changes in particularly in the last I don't know, four, four or five years has been that there's been a lot of, um, with the sort of increasing migration to the UK generally, and I think a lot of London uh, boroughs have been in search of cheaper housing, or home office, home office has been in search of cheaper housing. So a lot of people we've seen moved up from London to, to Wolverhampton and no doubt other towns and cities in the UK as well. But um, so that's, that's, been I suppose the main source of sort of African and Iranian people uh, who we've not sort of had before typically as many of. Um, I think another thing is that we've whereas a number of churches in Wolverhampton have had over the years sort of specifically Asian services we've we've deliberately chosen to avoid doing that and, and have, have sought to try and make our main Sunday services as as sort of mixed as you know the church as a whole mm. as, as as mixed as possible. Uh, I suppose it, you know, it runs the risk of 
pleasing nobody but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah there, I mean there are difficulties with that as, as well aren't there but but I think probably you're right the advantages yeah, of yeah. having that sort of yeah. single congregation rather than yeah I think there's, there's something about the gospel that I think that yeah. that, that sort of um, is, a, is an expression of really yeah uh, every that, tribe that like. and language yeah, and yeah. whatever and when we were talking about this a little while ago Richard you you said that you felt the the population in the parish had become more transient yeah. than it used to be. Yeah. Um, how how does that affect the congregation? So I think that it, it brings both a blessing and a frustration, really, that the blessing is obviously we have seen even more diversity in, in the church uh, over, over the last few years. Uh, the downside is that a lot of those people are mo- you know moved to Wolverhampton, not of their own choice. So as and when their status is resolved, typically what happens is they then, uh, you know, and, and their support for their housing comes mm-hmm. to an end, they, they then head back down south, which yeah. is where they sort of are more likely to so know. So you might get people for, what, to, a year, to, two Yeah, years? a couple of years typically. And uh, yeah, so they're just on the verge of getting a bit more involved and and um, then and then they, they move on. Um, so we see a sort of a high turn. So, so every two or three years, you know, the sort of the faces change uh, a lot. I mean, there's still a, obviously a core that's sure. uh, um, uh, that's still there long term, um, but there's there's a you know quite a high turnover. So, you know, the, the frustration is that you're just getting to know people, and they're just getting to the point where they can begin to sort of take on more sort of uh, committed ministries. Uh, and, and they and move they on, go. and also yeah. while they're with us, of course, they're typically not in a position to be financial givers. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just, um, you know, it's a, it is a great gift having, I guess, those people, but yeah. uh, but also, yeah, there are costs involved yeah. in that for the yeah. rest of the the congregation and the church. That's right. Yeah. As as you do that, one big change um, <laughs> since you've been at the church, Richard, is that you now no longer have a church building. Mm. I mean that's quite an achievement, isn't it? <laughs> T- yes. Tell us some how how not that sh- came about. Not and sure why. if I'm proud of it or not, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was. So it's the parish church that has closed. We st- we do still have a couple of other buildings in the yeah. parish, a church and a church hall. But um, the main parish church is now closed. Uh, I mean, basically, uh, it, to cut a very long story short, which goes back to two thousand <coughs> sort of eight nine really. Um, a perfect storm, if you like, of of major problems with the building uh, were, was highlighted uh, in in a quinquennial, um, and uh, one of those meant that it was no longer safe to use the main entrances to the church. Uh, also, the the heating system had completely failed. So, um, we we started a long process of over you know three or four years trying to get funding for repairs to the tower and spire which would enable us to use the main entrances to the building again and also to try and raise money for to repair the heating system. Um, and we, we, we made painfully slow progress because of the sort of nature of the church. It's not a wealthy church. We've made painfully slow progress in terms of raising money for the heating system. And we, we, it seemed to be sort of one step forward and two steps back with English Heritage and, and, and the sort of whole... Uh, applying for grants. So I was going to ask about that because of the building that it is. What a, you had to deal with English heritage. It's a listed and, building. Yeah. yeah, it's a two-star listed building. Um, it's, I mean, it's quite a striking. It's a massive Victorian. Building. 
uh, barn of a building. I'm not sure I would have necessarily said it had architectural significance, but I, I suppose it yeah. does of a kind. Well, yeah, yes. so some people obviously uh, yes. de delight in the building as a piece of Victorian yeah. architecture, and it's certainly striking, you can't argue with that, but it's it's not at all a, a practical building for a, a, a church with limited resources, yeah. both in terms of money and people as well. So when it became clear that you were making really quite slow progress in terms of raising money to do anything about it, what yeah. was the next step? So the next step was to um, discuss with the Archdeacon the possibility of closure under the pastoral measure. Um, and the uh, Archdeacon and uh, the PCC you know, whilst obviously not relishing the prospect, uh, yeah. concluded that basically we, we felt that we'd reached a fork in the road where we could either put all our energy and money into preserving a building or we could pay for yeah. gospel ministry, you know, people. Um, and presumably since the quinquennial, when you've been told it wasn't safe, you hadn't been able to use the building for right. some time anyway. Yeah. So I guess did that sort of help people along that process to we could yeah. actually manage and, and let go of this. Yeah, so so by the time we got to making this decision, we'd been meeting in the new, uh, it was new in 2009, which was very timely, because that was when we had to move out of the church building, the, the new primary school. Next, right, next which is door, just next door, isn't just it? Just next yeah. door, uh, and had sort of got purpose-built community halls and, and, and buildings. Um, and that has been uh, a move that... That has been almost universally embraced by Wonderful. everybody, even those who are, you know you, you might not have expected to be. Uh, and certainly, uh, to begin with, there was a hope amongst most people that we would one day be back in the church building. But I think actually, I, I was visiting a, an older member of church over Christmas who who I think you know you would count as one of the more traditionally minded members of church, and and, and she was saying that actually it, it's been a positive thing to mm. to move into the into the school and, and others were saying you know that it's it's changed the dynamic of our meetings which which has helped us to be um you know a, have a sort of a, a, a deeper sense of togetherness on a sunday wonderful i think sometimes um you know because often it is the older folk who are the ones who are a bit more conservative on those things suddenly being in a place that's warm <clears> and the chairs are slightly yeah. more comfortable yeah and they're not on yeah. sort of uneven floors and things. Yeah, that's right. Although the, there's still a, an emotional attachment to the building, people yeah. do realise actually it's a much more practical. Yeah. Um, and, and that's wonderful in terms of talking about the congregation feeling a bit more sense of, yeah. of togetherness in yeah. that space. So um, you said for a while people had had the, the goal that at some point you might move back to the building. That is now no longer right. on the cards, is it? It is, uh, it is now officially no longer a, a Church of England uh, resource. It's, uh, it's been sold um, for a nominal pound wow. <laughs> because, because it came with such a hideous repair bill. <laughs> I mean, um, that says quite a lot about yeah, it, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, and it's in the process of being converted into an antique centre um, right. by somebody who's done this with a, a church in Stoke, actually. Um, right. So... Um, so that, that is definitely gone. That's definitely gone. And do you have any ideas what the future might be? And obviously you've been in the school for, for quite a considerable mm, yeah. period of time now yeah. and you're obviously settled and that's, yeah. that's working. Is that the plan just to continue like that? Well, certainly it's an option. Uh, we, we've begun as a PCC to, uh, to begin to think about, you know, what is the sort of medium to long term um, future? Uh, what, are, what are the options for our two other buildings? So we've got a church hall, which is on the on the church site, uh, 
So we, we own the, the hall and the land on which it's situated, but, but not the land around it. So it's a sort of a landlocked building I to, see. Which, to which we have access rights. Um, so there's a question about, you know, is it wise to really invest in that building long term or do we just sort of keep it um, ticking over? Um, and and you still use that for We still use things. that for, for church meetings during the week and, and the you know, groups in the community use sure. it so it does generate a bit of an income. Sure. Um, nice to have somewhere to store things yeah, if, you're, exactly, yeah. if you're kind of using yeah. somebody else's building on yeah. Sunday. It's nice yeah. to have we have limited that... storage in the school, but yeah, yeah. Uh, not enough to, to sort of store everything. And then we have another church building. It's a, it's a sort of tin tabernacle. Yes. Um, it was a sort of a, it's a, it's a hundred plus year old church plant, I suppose you'd call it. Wow. <laughs> um, which is a, you know, uh, it'll hold 50 at a push. Um, it's quite a cosy little building, but it's got no. Uh, it's uh, not suitable to be your main. There. No, it's it's, it's in the wrong location. And it's not big enough. Yes. Um, so it, you know we're in the classic sort of situation of, you know, you wouldn't start from here if you were thinking about uh, uh, church buildings. Um, but um, that's what that's where we are, and so the PCC has begun to engage with that right. that whole sort of. And I just discussion. want to ask because. While you were going through some of this, I was working for the diocese and every so often in a meeting I'd hear the sort of St Luke's Wolverhampton being mentioned, usually by someone in the buildings department with a sort of, goodness, what are we going to do kind of thing. I just wanted to ask, and we can, we can edit this out if you don't want to say <laughs> on, on record, were, were the diocese helpful through the process or was it really difficult working through that yeah i think i mean the diocese were supportive i think they recognized that you know we, we were uh we we'd, we tried very hard um we had limited resources uh not just financially but in mm. terms of people with the sort of time and skills and confidence on their hands to to sort of do some of that work right. um of, of fundraising and and all, all that sort of thing so yeah on, on the whole uh I, I felt the diocese were um very supportive um it was um, obviously wasn't a decision we, we, we took lightly, um, but um, yeah, good. Yeah. No, I'm glad. It's interesting when you just mentioned about not just having financial resources, but the people to do stuff. And I know when I first started at, at Castle Church, they had had some issues with the church, but we mm. still have some. Mm. But one of them again was the tower, and, and it was going to be a hundred thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah. And Philip took the decision that he was not going to be responsible for that. And they, they appointed somebody yeah. who I think we paid a fee to and, and he did all the fundraising, but but supported by a lot more people yeah. in the congregation, yeah. I think probably in a slightly different position yeah. from you. It can be a real distraction from gospel ministry, yeah. anything to do with buildings, I think, can't it? And it's one of the things I, I was going to ask you about is, have you found it a distraction and, and how have you been able to keep focused on yeah. keeping the, the main thing? I think it has been a distraction, uh, and I think that's particularly because of the sort of nature of the the parish that and the church that it is. Uh, I guess in common with many churches in our sort of context, we we don't have many uh, professionals, if if you like, sure. many people with a sort of tertiary mm. educational background. So uh, that one of the sort of defining features, it seems, of of, of church life at, at St Luke's has, over the years has been we've always struggled to find you know church wardens treasurers 
PCC secretaries, that, that people that yeah. take on those sort of roles. So inevitably, when you're faced with a massive building issue as well. Yeah. Um, it really helps if you've got people who've got project management yeah, skills yeah, yeah. or business skills exactly, or yeah. administrative skills. And if you don't, no, that's right. it's, it's much more difficult. Yeah. So, uh, so that has, you know, I, I have found over the last few years that there's more of the sort of day-to-day -day admin and mm. church management sort of issues on my desk than I would <laughs> like. Um, and, you know, I think, I think uh, w one of the issues with our remaining buildings is that they're not in a great state of repair because we just haven't had the, the people who've, who've been able to take on that you know, ongoing maintenance even, yeah. um, you know, and, and so they, they, they have become yeah. a bit neglected. Um, and that is one of the great advantages of having a place that you rent as, yeah. your, yes, exactly. as one of your main buildings yeah. is all those yeah. things are somebody else's yeah. problem, yeah. aren't exactly. they? Yeah. At, yeah. Least, at least with that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Richard, uh, which I guess may be a change that hasn't made that much difference on the ground in your congregation, but I know you've recently become a church society church. Um, could you just tell us how that came about and, um, and what the process yeah. was like? Yes, it was um, actually it was in response to uh, an article that I, I think I read in, in the uh, Crossway magazine. Oh, just a nice little bit of yeah, plug for that. Which I think on. John um, Simmons. OK, uh, yes, might well have written. Was in a yeah. similar situation. I mean, we we. Um, at St Luke's, we had uh, our patronage was was uh, sort of a, a group of independent trustees. So we were not we were not previously part of a, another patronage organisation, uh, and you know broadly speaking, it was an evangelical um, yeah. group of, of of trustees. But over time, um, they they found it increasingly difficult to replace trustees who were retiring. Um, and it's a sort of strange thing, isn't it, patronage? Because for a lot of the time, you don't need to do anything. Exactly. But yeah. then you never quite know when yeah. it's suddenly going to yeah. be quite onerous and yeah. important, and and so, you've got to have people able yeah. to deal with that. So I think that that was the thing, really, was was that knowing that there were several vacancies on the on the trustees, and there was no sort of, as far as I was aware, sort of defining document that said they had to be uh, evangelical trustees. Um, and you know, the, with with the way uh, you know certain uh, yeah. things are going in in the Church of England, we were concerned as a PCC to to make sure that you know, as and when a vacancy arose, that uh, we would have um, trustees, if you like, on our side who were fighting yeah. for um, continuance of uh, evangelical ministry. Sure. Uh, and so it, it was. It was that really that that um, made us think a about the possibility of, of uh, transferring the patronage, uh, and and church society seemed to be the obvious uh, candidate in terms of its fit with with where with the kind St. of church that was you are, yes. in terms of the churchmanship. Yeah, great. And was it a straightforward process after you decided? It was a very straightforward process. I mean, apart from. It be, because because documentation had to be circulated to all of the independent trustees who were locate, located all over the place, right. that that took a while. Um, but but in terms of the actual uh, process itself, it was it was very straightforward. Um, Dick Farr is very fond of of saying that the first point 
in the patronage benefits measure is how to change your patron. Yeah. And it it sort of is is much less complicated, I think, yeah. than, than people realise. Yes, it is, yeah. If, you know, the the existing patron has to agree and, yeah. and that's the sticking point. Yes. But, but once they have... I think they the existing patrons, the, uh, the existing trustees, just, just recognise that, that benefit that, that, you know, with, with changes in mm -hmm. uh, legislation and things like that, it was hard for a group of individuals to keep up to, to date with things whereas a patronage uh, society um, has got more experience to bring to bear. Yes, I think that's right. And I, I think, um, I believe that's right, the Church of England are bringing in a new system where everything is going to be in sort of one central database for, for vacancies and, and things. And patrons, are, I think, are supposed to subscribe to this, but it's quite an expensive thing to do. And, right. it, and again, if you're you know, just one trust that's patron of one church. Yeah. I don't know that people are, are yeah. really going to be in a position to do that. So, yeah. um, well, we're really very glad to have you at Church Society. Mm. And I hope that, that um, you know, we'll be able to provide ongoing support, not just at that time yeah. of um, vacancy, but, but um, throughout that as well. I know Lee's already been to preach. Lee and, and Paul, yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Great. Um, so uh, just as we finish, it be we've heard a lot about what's happened at St Luke's over the last 10 or 15 years um, and we do love to to support our parishes by prayer could you just mm. suggest a few things that we might be praying for the future yeah. of St Luke's yeah, well I think I probably the two most obvious things uh, in a sense we've already touched on uh, one would be the, the sort of longer term decision about buildings and, uh, and and the ability to make that decision wisely and without it you know being a, a distraction from uh, the work of the gospel now that now that we've you know if you like no longer got that uh, millstone if you like of the <laughs> of the parish church building um, we don't want buildings to continue to be a, a distraction but we do need to sort of think through the the, the practicalities of the existing buildings yes uh, and whether to retain them develop them etc or whether to to think longer term you know make do with meeting in the school and, mm. and then think come back to it or think about something in, completely in new at, yeah. at a different stage yeah. yes and then i think the other the other thing that again we've we've sort of touched on is is this this thing about having enough people who who are confident enough uh, to take on ministries uh, and i think that's something that i that i i really want to sort of have a a crack at uh, at, at making progress on and building up a, a stronger more confident PCC and others um, who, who who feel able to sort of um, uh, take more initiative and responsibility, uh, and I think that's probably a feature of churches in cultural contexts like ours. Um, so I, I don't have any sort of um, sort of magic answer to that, to how that how to do that, but but just certainly pray for the ability to be able to to sort of encourage people and, and, and build them up and, and uh, see people willing to uh, be be partners in the gospel. We've just started a sermon series on, on Philippians and, and with, with that in mind really seeing more active um, tangible partnership in, in, uh, in the gospel in, in the parish. Wonderful. 
great to hear how God can be working in a church by removing a building. I know we're supposed to think of our church buildings as mere rain shelters, perhaps, but they are much more than that. And it's interesting to hear Richard talking about the positive effects of being in a different kind of building and how that's actually helped the fellowship. There are rain shelters and rain shelters, perhaps, and some are more effective in allowing us to be church in the way that we want to be. I do want to just take the chance to plug one of our church society books, Building for the Gospel by Julia Cameron. The, the subtitle is A Handbook for the Visionary and the Terrified. Um, and it's a little book just helping churches to think through what it might mean to look at a building project, um, thinking about that whole issue of church buildings and, and what we want them to be and what we want them to do, but also a lot of really practical help and advice about how to go about the project, how to think about raising the money, how to work out what you really need from your church building. Um, Julia's written it in the hope that it will help churches that are already launching into building projects to encourage churches which are holding back or to give ideas to churches perhaps not even beginning to think about the possibilities yet. Um, if that might be something that your church is on the, the uh, point of thinking about or already begun to think about, I do urge you to get hold of a copy of this book. Um, it could be a useful thing to give, uh, for example, to everyone on your PCC so that uh, they're all beginning to think about the issue from the same point of view with gospel priorities in mind. Uh, we've even had churches place orders so that they can give a copy of the book to everyone in their congregation um, so that the whole church is taken with them as they move into what's often a, a very difficult and, and uncertain and, and frightening time uh, going into that kind of big building project. And while there may be some who are enthusiastic in, and have got the vision and can see where they're going, uh, for many people, uh, that's a difficult process. So I do want to recommend that that's Building for the Gospel. It's available uh, from the Church Society website. If you'd like to place a, a bulk order, do get in touch with the office and we can probably uh, do you some kind of deal for that. As I said, I hope this will be the first in, in a semi-regular series where we get to know people from our church society parishes. If you work or uh, worship in a church society church and you've got a, a story to tell, then please do get in touch. I'd love to hear it and we can maybe come and record a podcast with you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week. We do hope that you're enjoying uh, these podcasts. And if you are, please do think about sharing it uh, with other people. Perhaps share the link uh, to the podcast on your uh, Facebook or Twitter or other social media pages. Perhaps if there's a friend you know who you think might enjoy a particular episode, send them the link to that. We would love for more people uh, to get to hear not just about what church society are doing, but, but about what God is doing um, in Church of England churches up and down the country. Uh, we've had some great stories of people in all kinds of situations, missionaries, uh, children's workers, people involved in uh, writing or speaking, all kinds of uh, different things that God is doing in, in different ways. And, and we hope that, that that is an encouragement to you to hear that. Uh, and we'd love for those stories to be heard more widely. So please do think about uh, if there's a way in which you could uh, share those links and, and help other people uh, get to find out about the podcast as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us about anything that we've talked about on the podcast or ideas for future episodes, you can always comment on our Facebook page, tweet us at Church Society or email me, ros at churchsociety.org. 
See you tuning in again next week. Mm-hmm.